Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? This is a huge night. the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, 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 yeah. What a week for sugar, right? Yes. I'm talking about the no spears that Craig Jones made famous. I'm talking about Sugar Sean's Sugar Show at UFC 292. And I'm talking about that man right there. Been a long time since we rock and roll, but we back at it. Morning Combat, Monday morning, August 21st, 2023. Brian Campbell, your co host, ready to take this award winning vehicle into the realm of reaction in UFC 292, but the Hall of Famer next to me, the former light heavyweight champion of the world, tough champion, really just a champion of life, Sugar Rashad Evans, always sweet, never sour, by the way, Rashad, a tower of ayahuasca power. I get fired up because I get to do this show with you. How is it, bro? How is it? Man, it's been great, BC. Uh, It's been a long time, but I am happy to be here uh, and Morning Combat is one of my favorite shows to watch, so happy to be back on. Well, thank you. You're, you're a great contributor to this program. Luke Thomas, of course, the co-host is with the most is on vacation. He'll be back on Wednesday. But, but Sugar, uh, we're talking about 292, pay-per-view, Boston. We're talking about Sean O'Malley. Uh, lot, lots to talk about after this fine weekend in the combat sports realm, sir. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sean O'Malley was... Uh, Fantastic. I mean, as Dana White said, who the F saw that coming? I mean, it was just it was just a brilliant performance. Absolutely. We're going to break down this card in painstaking detail. We're going to find out if Rashad has seen any of this lingering shit around there. We're also going to answer your questions. So drop into the live chat right now on this morning combat show on YouTube. Ask your questions for the Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad. We'll get them answered later in the show. Push aside the normal misogyny and racism that fills up that live chat. I mean, can we sweep up that already? Can we clean that shit up? Rashad, before we get into more serious things, how you been? What's been new in the life of Rashad Evans? Life has been good. I've been, you know, doing a little bit more for the UFC, uh, more ESPN, um, building myself outside of the whole fight game and, uh, you know, uh, my, my godson has a fight coming up in LFA in Niagara Falls, September 15th. So I've been helping him get ready for that. But uh, a lot's been going on. You know, I moved into a new house in Florida. So I got a lot a lot of things moving, BC. Yeah. Yeah. Love to hear that. Love the work you've been doing on ESPN Plus. And, and we still see you on HQ nowadays once in a while? 
Yeah, every once in a while, every once in a while, I get a chance to jump on there. You know, I got a chance to do LFA this weekend, got a chance to put the cans on, get in the booth, and uh, give some play-by-play commentary. And what is your godson's name that we should be getting behind and cheering for on this on this Devin, Devin the Prodigy Smith. Devin the Prodigy Smith. Uh, which which weight class as well, Rashad? He's going to be at 170, and it's going to be the main event in LFA. All right, all right. You sold. I'll be there. I'll check that out. Uh, thank you for jumping in. Of course, uh, Showtime, the label that pays us, you can get 30 days of, of Showtime for free right now. Why not test the waters before you put a ring on it, right? Boxing, MMA, Bill Cosby, they got great <laughs> stuff there all across the board. Uh, shout out to Mikey Mormont of CBS Sports. Back from vacation, missed you. Long Island Luke and Gaff Pierre on the ones and twos, but we're about to bang here, too. Let's get right into it right off the top. Here we go. Beantown Bonanza, Bantamweights in the main event. And a changing of a guard atop the deepest division in mixed martial arts. UFC 292 in Boston gave us the arrival of the Sugar Show at the championship level. And really freakishly similar to Conor McGregor landing one perfect counter shot on Jose Aldo. Back in 2015, Sean O'Malley silenced the critics while taking down an established champion in this division in Aljamain Sterling, nine-fight win streak on the verge of setting it with a victory, the record for title defenses in Bantamweight history, most wins in Bantamweight history. But he was looking up at the lights at the end of the day from a 1 to 10 here, Sugar Rashad, 10 being the most surprised. How shocking was this for you, the way it played out? BC, it was off the scales. It was about a 30, bro. It was about a 30. My, my heart... <laughs> Just it, it exploded, man. Because listen, I I knew Sean O'Malley had it in him. I knew I knew it could either come from a knee or one of those accurate pinpoint powerful strikes that he has using his optimum the range that he does. But I felt as if, like many other people felt, that Aljo was going to find a way to close the distance and just use that strength, use that grappling, and and use that wrestling to get the fight in his world. But the thing was, Sean O'Malley's linear lateral motion meaning he was so lean forward but at the same time he had this lateral motion and his face and feints were to honestly it, it was the absolute most perfect i've ever seen anyone use their fakes and feints now this is saying this with with the likes of israel adesanya who i wow. think is head above shoulders above most people when it comes to that that whole faint game and those guys at at, at city kickbox and they have a really mean faint game but Sean O'Malley looked absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I, I could just go on and on. But you know what, BC? I'm, I'm going to let you go on. I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> no, I've been enjoying it here. A lot of people caught my instant analysis late Saturday night. But here's one thing I picked up on, Rashad, watching this live. is Obviously, it's that perfect precision, powerful and fast counter shot that led directly to the finish. But I, th this fight was won not in that second round. It was won in the first round when O'Malley kept his back off the canvas. But more importantly, Rashad, no selling every single faint stance switch. Everything that Aljamain Sterling does funky-wise on the stand-up that has made, led to his evolution to becoming this long-reigning champion. You don't look good against Aljamain Sterling. He's constantly making you second-guess. There's an awkwardness. He's long. All those things... He couldn't make O'Malley sell anything, Rashad. That, to me, when that moment happened, it's somewhat not surprising in a way. Look, shockingly surprising that a champion with the experience of Sterling 
would make such a blatant mistake of overreaching on a left, squaring up, and just leaving himself there for the for the perfect counter shot. But Rashad, I think it was like four or five minutes of frustration built up. That Don't forget, fans were booing this fight at the end of the first round. And I think that's because O'Malley was just like, look, I'm going to wait here until you make a mistake against me. People aren't able to have that luxury against Aljo, usually because inevitably they're going to end up being taken down. The fact that O'Malley was able to shut down everything Aljo tried, that to me was by far the most shocking part of this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel that with O'Malley, he was able to shut down everything that um, uh, uh, Aljamain was throwing because it started off, Aljo does something very intricate that a lot of people don't really realize when they fight him because he's normally the bigger guy in the weight class. What he does to close the distance is not so much with his hands. Sometimes, that, and that's why you'll see him just kind of like throw these wild shots, but he does it with his kicks. He throws these kicks, and with the kicks, he uses that to close distance. But what was happening with Sean O'Malley when he was throwing those kicks, because Sean was so long and his lateral movement was so good, he was seeing them and he was recognizing them right away, and they weren't really finding their mark. They weren't really having the same impact they do on the smaller fighters. So that messed up his whole range, and that started to lead to him, started to dive in, and started to trying to use those wild punches to close the distance. But normally, that's where his kicks come in. Yeah, indeed. And once the frustration began to build, I think we saw more aggression from Aljo to open round two, which was necessary, but still not able to find some success. But when that one mistake happened... O'Malley's just that dude for as a pinpoint assassin. It is McGregor-like in that regard, where one shot can be so perfectly placed it can bring on the end of the fight. When we talk about the comparisons to, to McGregor here, Rashad, it makes sense, I guess, on like a, a crossover star level, an ability to connect with fans, and as we talked about that pinpoint striking. But I compared the two of them heading into this fight because they're both looked at entering the first title fight as, I don't want to say unfinished projects, but not well-rounded in the nature we expect of guys in the championship level. But I want to ask you if that's actually a fair assessment at this point. Is Sean O'Malley one-dimensional as a striker and that one dimension was so great, he went all the way to the championship level and won the title in the deepest division? Or did he show you enough takedown defense where, okay, maybe he's not doing offensive wrestling to further his advancement, but it would be hard at this point, true or false, to call him one-dimensional when he just did that to Aljo in that manner. Yeah, I think it's hard. I think it's hard to call him one dimensional after what he did to Aljo. Listen, I was one of those people who truly believed that he was one dimensional and really didn't have the the ability to change gears that you need to change gears in order to have that well rounded approach to a fight. But what he showed in that fight with Aljo was true, comprehensive understanding of what it means to have you know defend these shots and have your back against a cage and what he was doing in those exchanges really really showed his understanding of. of of what he should understand at this level. But I feel like there is a still a part of him, and that gets me excited about where he can go when you look at him, because he's still a very young guy who's yet to grow into himself. And we've seen him grow since he's been in the UFC, since he came off the contender series. We've seen him grow to be a little bit to, to, to be where he is right now. But I feel like when it comes to strength, when it comes to size, and when it comes to the things that's really going to cause him to dominate in this weight class, he's still yet to grow into. Yeah, we're still finding out in the moment how great he can be. 28 years old, now it's top of the best division in the world. And Rashad, one thing I really stood out to me, again, on top of the precision, the striking, the takedown defense, the cool, calm nature 
oh, of man. Sean O'Malley because yeah. this ride to get here, we've seen the hiccups. We saw the loss to Cheeto and the injury, the two-year USADA suspension, the weak matchmaking at times when he first came back. If that led people to miss this moment, it's, it's understandable for them to say, well, who was he beaten comparatively? Dude, when it mattered, when the when the lights were the brightest, I hate to constantly make these Connor comparisons, but it, it there's very these are aliens, Rashad. These are aliens who can get to this level even without this experience, but still have that combination of poise, confidence, and ability to deliver. Rashad, how many guys have you seen in practice that could be world champions? But there's that thing that separates people when the lights get the brightest. O'Malley wasn't even like overly celebrating afterwards. It was like cool, calm. I knew it was going to happen. Bring on the next guy. Damn. Damn, Rashad. Damn. <laughs> hey, BC, listen, you're absolutely right, man. I, I've seen it time and time again. It, it's actually to the point now where I become numb when I see talent in the gym because I'm like, okay, he's dope in the gym. He's a world beater in the gym. Let me see him out there in action. Let me see him under them lights because those lights will melt you. And I kind of picked up on, on, on O'Malley's just, just stoic nature and how calm and collected he was at the weigh-ins. At the weigh-ins, you know, Aljo was busting off and, you know, busting his gums and just talking this and talking that. And you just seen O'Malley just cool, calm, collected, very stoic and just kind of in himself. And uh, at that point, I was like, mm, he's either really scared or he got something cooking for tomorrow. <laughs> but it, it, he had the same laser-like focus when he walked out and uh, he kept it during the whole fight. Yeah, indeed. Let's talk about the star, the potential here. It, it's a different landscape for the UFC promotionally than it was five years, 10 years ago. The ESPN deal is so financially, uh, you know, fruitful at this point. You don't see them do the type of press tours that we've seen in the past, but we did see something unique after this fight. Rashad, you've been around UFC a long time. What's the thing they covet most? The rights to the finishes of their pay-per-views, right? The idea of protecting those, not allowing them to play all over social media, not allowing every single show unless they've paid enough for the highlight packages to run that. We've seen that a million times. Luke Thomas is dissected, got shut down for that same reason. They not only put out the finish of uh, O'Malley knocking out Sterling, they put out the complete fight. What does that tell you about what they believe Sean O'Malley can bring to them moving forward? Well, it tells you everything you need to know when it comes to what they're going to put behind him as far as promotion. What they really truly believe as far as what he can bring is is being a star that that rivals something like a McGregor, you know, and he, and even can be bigger in so many different respects. I mean, McGregor has made legacy things as far as, you know, his fight with Mayweather and things he's been able to do outside of the sport with his businesses. But I feel like with Sean O'Malley, you're looking at somebody who can hit a different level and a different uh, a different I guess vantage point of that same fame spectrum that 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 McGregor what was meant to hit. I feel like with O'Malley, he speaks to this generation of of these young the youth with with, with effort. You no, know, without any effort at all. It just comes so natural to yeah. him, and they just flock to him. I got my boy telling me, my son, my son, little Rashad, like, oh my gosh, you dad, you know, going on and on about O'Malley and. Everybody loves everybody loves O'Malley. You know what I'm saying? And they and they truly feel him, you know, because no matter how arrogant he is at times, no matter, you know, all those different character things, he still brings a level of humbleness and humility yeah. that 
that you can feel who he is as a person just by watching him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, came to the sport so young. We got to see, as cameras followed him ahead of this pay-per-view, the the sort of rags-to-riches story that so many fighters have of of following a dream. But that connection to the younger fan base just can't be denied, whether you're there for the tattoos, the colorful hair, the connection to weed. This guy's been a weed advocate since day one, Rashad, all right? Put some respect yeah. <laughs> on that guy's name. And, of course, he's you know part of the new generation of of delivering his own information to the world through his own podcast, uh, the right star at the right time, but, but killers top to bottom in this division. As we know, he's already said, I want to be back in December. I want it to be in Vegas final pay-per-view of the year. And Hey, Cheeto Vera, I heard you beat Pedro Munoz boringly. Let's make it him Rashad considering this division's always bottlenecked on top. There's so much deserving talent. You could make equal strong cases for Corey Sanhagen or Marab Davalashvili at the moment. You even have Aljo saying, "Don't I deserve a rematch? I had a, a nine-fight win streak in many title defenses against big names." Should it be Cheeto Vera next? Will it be, in your opinion? Um, that's a tough one because Cheeto did beat him, but at the end of the day, let's let's if if we are going to be honest, we can't jump over the fact that Corey Sanhagen just did his thing with, with, with Cheeto the way he did. So I, I feel it has to be somebody, at least Corey Sanhagen or Marab. And Marab, you know, he didn't take his opportunity to potentially fight for the belt because he was honoring his relationship with Aljo. So that's a respectable thing. But in the fight game, respect is not always what's paid for when it comes to what should happen next. And uh, with that said, it, it's it's either Marab or or Corey Sanhagen. Uh, Cheeto, it will be a fight that I feel, you know, will happen. But I feel like with Cheeto, I wouldn't want that for Cheeto right now because I feel like Cheeto's working out something in his game still. And, yeah. and not that he – it seemed like he figured it out, but then sometimes you lose it, right? Sometimes you lose it. Sometimes you lose that feeling. Sometimes you lose that – that 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 flow that you had, and I feel he's out of flow right now, and I don't think it'd be good for him to do that fight in December. You know, I don't disagree with that. Even though the win over Pedro Munoz, I thought was clean, two rounds to one, in my opinion. Although I thought the scores were wider than than the fight I necessarily saw. Cheeto established himself as the bigger fighter, stood in front of Munoz in the second two rounds, final two rounds, excuse me, landed the bigger shots, bloodied his nose. There were elements of survive and advance in it, but there were also elements of, okay, this is the win he needed in this moment, and he clearly got it done. I agree with you that he's still kind of figuring it out, and he lost a little bit of that mojo in the manner in which he lost to Sanhagen, despite that being a split decision, which fell undeserved in that moment. I have to counter you, though, Rashad, and say... This is kind of what the company does, though. Make immediate matchups like this. And here's the reason why I think the Cheeto fight will be next, even with those heavy hitters there. It's not just the fact that Cheeto's the only guy to beat O'Malley in the cage. And let's not forget, there was legitimate criticism of how O'Malley, despite being injured, carried himself in that. I think the bigger part of this is, if they are going to make this guy a star... Don't you want to put him in there right away in the type of fight that furthers that star? That'll be trash talk. That'll bring out the hardcore fans who love Cheeto. Cheeto's got this, not the same level as a Tony Ferguson or Nate Diaz fan pop, but that respect from the fans, you can feel it. They're like, oh yeah, that guy's a killer. Style-wise, we're already seeing early lines that if it was Marab next, Davalashvili, maybe rightfully so, is already the betting favorite against Sterling. 
I, I just believe that's the direction they would go. Storyline makes sense. Final paper the for you of the year. You can really, if you want to, Rashad, you can test out O'Malley's star right now by making that the pay-per-view main if you want. But either way they go, whether it's Sanhagen, Marab, or uh, Cheeto, the story here is sugar and uh, big things to come ahead. But what about Aljo? Rashad, the thing I hate about this game, and in, in this game I'll extend to combat sports in general, you're only as good as your last fight. It's not fair, but because people only fight two to three times a year, sometimes two if we're even lucky, the moment is what matters. Is it fair to Aljo that, that we were fitting him for the crown of Bantamweight GOAT? And now we're just sort of like, hey man, thanks for playing. Good luck at Featherweight. The question is, he might not go to Featherweight next. He said afterwards he's got to recalculate his decision. We all agree he's not going to get the immediate rematch, and I think with a clean knockout, I, I I don't think he should get the immediate rematch. But Rashad, would you advise him if Aljo reached out to you to retool at one uh, at Bantamweight and you know hope inevitably for a rematch against O'Malley that would be big money in a fight that I'm sure Aljo was looking at? Man, I could do better than what I did. Or when you look at his age and you look at his teammate rising, is the move up to featherweight a smart one right now? I think the move up to featherweight is a smart one right now. And, um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is that sometimes we can let our pride really hinder us from making the best decision. I mean, the pride thing will say, you know what, I'm going to stay. I got. I, I think I can beat this guy. I want to get a chance at it. But then if you beat him, then then, then you're in a position where you still got to make the weight. And, and at the end of the day, I think it's the weight cuts that's, really taking out of the performance that Alger can really raise himself to. I feel he's right now in the area where he's still growing as an athlete, right? He's, he's, he's getting up, he's eight, he's getting there up there in age, but at the same time, he's by no means an aged fighter. So I feel like right now, while he still has some tread left on his tires, he should recalibrate himself, but at 145 and really make a run at 145 and take this time to really work on some of the tools that he feel like he can offer to the 145 division that separates him from the rest of the pack. For sure, man. And if, you know, we do have Max Holloway returning to the cage at Featherweight this weekend against TKZ, but uh, imagine a Max Holloway, welcome to the Featherweight division matchup against Aljo. Wouldn't hate that. Wouldn't hate any of the matchups, you know, Brian Ortega on and on across the board. Uh, yeah, I feel bad for Aljo that it did come all crashing down, but uh Still time, still time for him to, to make a run in the second division. And, and I do wonder too, man, that's a hard weight cut for a guy that that big, that long, and the age. The the age doesn't lie. Although, Rashad, you went against the curve, cut all the way down to middleweight late in your career. Um, yeah, man. I, I was just trying to figure it out, man. I was just trying to figure it out. I was trying to find something to excite me all over again because that's the thing about it. When you've been in a sport so long and you've had the highs and you had the lows, you got to find a way to reinvent the game in your mind as a competitor. Yeah. You know, you can't compete from the same place as you did when you first started in every single phase of your career. It requires for you to recalibrate yourself. That's why sometimes you see fighters kind of go that hot and cold method. And a lot of times when they go cold it's because they need to recreate themselves. They haven't adapted to their the, themselves to where they're at in their life. And I feel like that's what I was going through. 
Yeah, so, you know, to keep the marriage bread pure, people often do things like role-playing, dress up in pink fluffy cuffs. Rashad's like, I just moved on and wait. That's really what I do to keep it, yeah. keep it going. Um, Rashad, back to O'Malley for a second. I mentioned that the, the most difficult matchup style-wise for him is undoubtedly Davalashvili. He's already an early betting favorite across those lines. Um, how much better can we expect the deficiency areas in O'Malley's game, right? What we thought, takedown defense until he just stuffed Sterling every single time. And we don't see him necessarily go out of his way to be an offensive grappling machine. Can we expect uh, continued growth there ahead of an inevitable fight against Marab? Because Davos really is coming. It's just when. That's really it, Rashad. Yeah, you know, uh, I like to, to lean on, on what I heard uh, one of the greatest fighting combat sports minds have ever said, and that's Teddy Atlas. Teddy Atlas said, you know, when somebody becomes champion, they become 30% better. And uh, with Matt O'Malley, I feel like that 30% can very well be 50% because, you know, he's going to bring that from a confidence standpoint. But then at the same time, you have his intangibles that 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 he has that really offer, you know, um, a, a big problem for those coming to try to compete against him. But I also feel like a lot is going to be changing in him as far as maturity wise, once you become champion, once you really understand that you are that good, uh, it, it changes a lot. And I feel he's going to start putting in the time and going to start walking and, and really exuding that champion in every single facet of his life. And I feel like that's going to make him better. Well, however long he's putting in the work on the treadmill or the roads at night, uh, put in double and triple because Marab's gas tank is pretty damn intimidating, uh, just the same. We also, by the way, did see Henry Cejudo crash the one of the post-fight TV interviews that O'Malley was doing afterwards and, you know, just sort of throw his weight around. Rashad, we've seen worse injections of big names into title fights at timing when we really question whether they deserve it. Dan Henderson with Michael Bisping at age 46. Uh, even Jose Aldo coming off of that split decision loss to Marais walked right into a Bantamweight title. If it was Henry Cejudo, would you have any reservations? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't at all because at the end of the day, that's another fight that's a huge one when it comes to uh, the attention-wise, but it's another one that that offers a good chance for, um, you know, Sean O'Malley to, to win and, and improve on his star power. And the, the truth of the matter is you become legend by the bones that you collect and the worthiness of those bones you collect while you're on your run. And if you get a guy like Henry Cejudo, if you're Sean O'Malley and you beat a guy like Henry Cejudo, Triple C and everything that he's accomplished, you know, that 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 just blows up your legendary status even more. And, you know, I feel the UFC, they're going to take calculated steps to make sure that, uh, you know, he's brought up the right way as a champion. And, and I say that because they brought him up the right way as a challenger. Well, you can... Put the hard R at the end or not, sugar, sugar. Uh, either way, this man O'Malley following in the lineage, nickname-wise, of one well, former UFC champion, sugar Rashad Evans. Normally, I'd, I'd try to ask people, if you're going to steal a nickname, at least fight the guy. At least take it from him the old-fashioned manly way. But I believe we have a graphic comparing these two great champions with the similar nickname. There it is. Welcome to the Machida era. No, we yes. don't use those. 200, those year, 200, 200 UFCs ago. <laughs> exactly. 200 numbered events apart. 
But there's what you see. Rashad, 29 years old when he captured the title from Forrest Griffin at UFC 92 by TKO one round later than O'Malley. But a big difference, Rashad, when we're talking about uh, hairstyle and tattoos on the face. That's really what separates you two, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, that that uh, 200 UFC apart graphic, you know, um, that was something I was thinking. I was thinking about it. I was like, man, I, I said 292. And I'm like, man, I competed in UFC 92. And he won it at 292. I was just blown away because sugar and sugar, man. But it, it just shows this divine connection you know yes, what i'm saying i yes. don't know what to call it bc i don't know what to call it for lack of better words but it's got to be divinity because that that's a very strange and weird uh occurrence that just happened there well i know in soccer like big time goal scorers get number 10 passed down to them and in boxing man you know sugar ray robinson sugar ray leonard sugar shane mosley you don't see a lot of jabrones walking off the street going, hey, call me Sugar, right? So uh, good to see that that nickname, whether it's the R on the end or not, uh, royalty, the lineage continues there. The Sugar Show respect, rolls on. Respect, respect, One sugar to the next, man. Indeed. Respect to him. Pass the sugar this way. Shout out to Joe Hashem, former World Series of Poker champion with that one. That's topic number one. Let's go to number two. It was, uh, I've been told I used the wrong grammar a lot on the show. Not a historical win. Not a hysterical one, but a historic win for Zhang Wei Li in a one-sided domination of big-time puncher Amanda Lemos in the co-main event on Saturday. The first defense of the second strawweight title reign for Zhang Wei Li and Rashad. When we talk about numbers and history, the most dominant one-sided female fight from the disparity of total strikes landed in UFC women's history. Uh, six takedowns to zero, 15 minutes of top control. You got to give Lemos credit, right? Nearly sunk in a desperation choke to close round one and did land a couple right hands here and there. This wasn't an Irene Aldana level of just sort of like, damn, that, you know, laid an egg, there was nothing there. She came to fight. It didn't matter. Is it fair to say right now, Rashad, with a loss to Shevchenko and a retirement to Amanda Nunes, that Zhang Wei least the best fighter and female fighter in the world, pound for pound, hands down. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, her her ferocity and just the the mindset you see her go out there and compete with is very savage. It's very savage. Is it's I, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. She's so well rounded. She's got. She's truly the perfect athlete. I mean, when it comes to physical strength, she has that. When it comes to stand up, she has that. When it comes to IQ, she has it. When it comes to ground, she has it. She has every single aspect you could ever want from an athlete out there. And uh, I, I, it's really hard for me to think of somebody. Well, not really hard. I should say she, she's a tough one to beat. But there, there are, there's one, there's one at 115 that I feel like that may be able to give her a run. But when it comes to the stand-up aspect of it, I feel like she's absolutely the best. She's a tank in there, too. She's a student of the game, constantly working to evolve what she's doing. And is that name that you mentioned, is that the wild card known as Tatiana Suarez, Rashad? Oh, my gosh. Tatiana Suarez. My goodness. Tatiana Suarez, man. Yes, that that's the name. That's the name, BC. Uh, whether we get Yan Shanan next in an 
on Chinese soil. I'd love it too for two Chinese born and the first Chinese born champion and Wei Li would be a big event. Suarez does seem to be the big fight with Rose Namajunas' graduation to flyweight. Carla Esparza being out for maternity leave. But Rashad, back to those numbers for a second. 288 total strikes landed to just 21 for Limos. Whaley had an advantage of 157 to nine after three rounds. When you look at the the brief moments that Limos did have, she was a somewhat unlikely challenger. Two finishes in a row following that submission loss of her own to to Jessica Andrade. Uh, Did she carve out any blueprint for anyone else in your eyes between the big right hands and the submission threat? Or was it just moments of desperation that for Whaley's case, luckily she was able to sidestep? I think it was just those moments. I don't feel like it's any kind of indication of, of lacking on on Whaley's part. I mean, it, it's a fight, you know, and you're in, she's in the title contention spot because she's at that level. So if something didn't happen at, you know, didn't show or Whaley didn't have to work through anything, then, you know, it, it wouldn't really be a challenge for her. But I feel like when you go against somebody at the highest level, you're going to have moments in there where you're tested. You're going to have moments in there where it may get scary. But uh, I feel like when it just the overall display of Whaley did, I don't feel like uh, Lamos was anywhere near the level. Yeah, once she uh, really rounded out that wrestling game, Rashad, which I really feel like you have to go back to the Nama Yunus rematch, right, which she was working with Henry Cejudo ahead of that fight. Now she's a threat to ground and pound and crucifix you almost every time out. She damn near got... um, Lemos locked in the same thing she did to Esparza to, to, you know, take the title from. When I think Crucifix, I think Gary Goodridge back at like UFC 3. We don't see that level of domination too consistently, you know, short of somebody like Habib. But from a wrestling standpoint, you're right. Suarez may be the only one who can compete with her ground game at this point. Yeah, and, and she's strong enough to, you know, as well. You know, I, I keep on thinking, I was on the internet and I was watching, uh, Way, um, uh, uh, Whaley pick up Francis Ngannou. Yes, and, with ease. And, that's, and, and, and for me, like, that's strong as hell. Like, that's strong as hell. Like, if I picked up Francis like that, I'm like, yo, your boy still got it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But she picked him up, and I'm like, dude. So that's the kind of strength that you need to have dealing with Whaley. And I feel like Tatiana has that kind of strength. Indeed, Tatiana's got that backbone on top of it. And I think all those years away and the hard work she's have to put in to get back has just fueled her. And oh, by the way, when you share a residence with one patchy mix, who's arguably the most red hot uh, fighter in the time, really in the entire sport, he's peaking at a level and putting it all together that that's a power couple right there, Rashad. I mean, that, that, you know, to the level that I think they can probably spar with each other and make each other better. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like they probably do spar with each other to make each other better. And that's the thing. It's like, it's one thing if they were, you know, because sometimes you you can be in a situation like that, but you don't necessarily feed off each other. But because they have such a good working and dynamic relationship with each other, they really feed off each other. And they, and they're not, they, they want to help each other up. They build each other up in the best possible way. I was there to see, you know, um, patchy worker corner and stuff like that many times. And, uh, He's he's all about her. And that's the thing about it. When he's there with her, he's all about her dialed in. 
and that just makes her grow even more. Yeah, she's huge for this division on top of it. I mean, I feel like I'm the only person left that really wanted to see Rose versus Whaley 3 to find out the true all-time strawweight queen. But, hey, you got to give Rose credit. In fact, let me get your take on that, Rashad. That was a shocker to see Rose Namajunas take the time off but move up to 125, now fighting Manon Ferro in Paris for potentially a number one contender spot in a new weight class. Is this crazy? Or is she right at this point in her career and saying she needs something this dangerous to make sure she's as sharp as possible and on point? I feel like, I feel like it's right. And I say that because, you know, I know Rose and Rose is such a cerebral person. She doesn't make any decision half-heartedly. You know, she's always, always making sure that she's dotting her I's and crossing her T's and she thinks things through very well. So uh, her going up is probably an indication of, of where her body's at right now. You know, when Rose came in, she she was a younger girl. And now that she's getting to be older and older women, your body changes and being able to listen to your body, but also being able to, you know, grow into yourself, grow into your skill, grow into your size and truly expand uh, physically speaking. I think it's time for that. And like I was saying before, you got to be able to reinvent the game in your mind. When you're not reinventing the game in your mind, or, you know, even even in the physical aspect of going up, then it's hard to compete with those athletes who are chasing that goal that you've already accomplished. Yeah. Uh, on that flip side, to close here for Zhang Weili, do you see a similar opportunity at some point? She's 34 years old. She's atop the strawweight division. But do you think Weili has the size and game to potentially push greatness? There, there's been some whispers at times back when Shevchenko was on top about could we do a Whaley versus Shevchenko? How about Whaley versus Grasso there for the 125 title? Do you think this is a di direction inevitably that Whaley could follow? I think so, for sure. I think for sure. I think that Whaley is one of those 115ers who, at a few meals, can be a 125 and a solid 125 at that. You know, she's got this big, wide structure. Her back is super strong. Her legs are, are big. Her arms are big. And she's got this physique that will carry well, you know, and she has the speed. And, you know, everything else that she has, she'll uh, retain all those things and bring them up to the 125 weight class. Indeed, indeed. Uh, that's your co- and main event breakdowns. But you can argue almost as big as the Sugar Show. Okay, maybe not quite there in terms of uh, chatter on the internet. But Ian Machado, Gary, certainly used Boston to let his name be known on a higher level. A step-up opportunity here on short notice for Neil Magny just a week after Jeff Neal pulled out with undisclosed medical issues. But Ian Gary just waxed right through him, chopping down the legs at will and just putting on an absolute striking clinic en route to a wide unanimous decision. I had some criticisms of my own in the post-show Saturday. Still can't figure out if I'm being extra cynical or pedantic, but top to bottom here, Rashad, we asked a lot of them against an opponent that you don't typically look great against. Ian Machado Gary looked great against Neil Magny. How impressed were you? I was very impressed. I mean, Neil Magny has the ability to jam up anybody's game and to really make it a fight where sometimes you just don't look your best fighting, Neil. And but Neil's a dog in there, and he took a lot of he took a lot in that fight. He took a lot in that fight, but I was really impressed with just Gary being able to keep his mind on his game plan, not allowing himself to fall into the traps that Neil was trying to allow him to fall into and really managing that 
emotional side of the fight really well because going into this fight, they had a little beef going on and it's so easy to get carried away and want to teach them a lesson and fight from that emotional place. And when you fight from that emotional place, anything can happen because you're less calculated and that's when you make mistakes. But Gary just kept it cool, calm, collected. He divorced himself from those emotions, those feelings, and he had a great fight. And you've seen at times he had that kind of energy where it was still intriguing, where like you can tell that he didn't like uh, Neil, but at the same time, he kept his mind focused. And that to me was the part that indicated he's ready for the big step up in the top five area, or at least the top guys area. Yeah, he is. I mean, Magni was ranked 11 coming in. The UFC has not updated their new rankings yet, but you'd have to believe Gary's going to be in the top 10. He called for Wonder Boy afterwards, and Dana White revealed at the post-fight press conference that they activated that quickly. Why? Because Machado wants, Machado Gary, excuse me, wants to go to Ireland. Dana said, not so fast. We need you at MSG first, then Ireland. Wonder Boy said no. Rashad, you've been a veteran before where you've got big time name value, but you want to get the type of fights that, that make sense for you. We saw Wonder Boy actually forfeit a, a payday opportunity when his opponent, Michelle Pedeta, missed weight and walked off and said, look, I'm not doing this again. What do you make of Wonder Boy as a veteran at this point himself still believing he's in the title picture saying no to this opportunity? Well, I, I think um, I love Wonder Boy. And you always say, you always got to preference that before you say something. <laughs> uh, but I I love Wonder Boy, but I'm going to say it from the perspective that that I, that I experienced competing in that space. Um, you either compete to be the best or you don't compete at all. You know, if you're in a space where you're not wanting to fight someone for a particular reason, you know, they may be hot or whatnot, and they're on the climb to the top. I feel if you're on a climb to the top, they're on the climb to the top, you should be able to fight whoever's on the climb to the top. But if you're saying no to whoever's on the climb to the top, then you really need to assess do you really want to be at the top? Wow. And that's not me trying to throw any shade because I understand what it's like to compete in that place. But I feel like maybe there needs to be an honest discussion with, with uh, Wonder Boy to himself and really decide on how much does he want to do this? Because fighting and being lukewarm about who you're going to fight yeah. is, is not a way to compete, especially in the UFC because there's so many killers. And the thing about it is, it may not be a near Ian Gary or, or whatnot, but it may be a guy who is the next Ian Gary who's trying to come up and who's trying to make his name because that's the energy that Wonder Boy is going to fight no matter who he's fighting against because he's established himself as Wonder Boy. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, it's harsh but fair in that regard. Uh, you know, Wonder Boy wants fights that'll get him to the title picture. Could you have a bigger opportunity if it was MSG against a rising stud with a pro Irish crowd there in Madison square garden in New York and an opportunity with a win. If wonder boy did it to probably catapult right to the top of this division. And it, it would be different. Maybe Rashad, if it was an extreme wrestler, if it was a Habib Marab type and you're like, okay, wonder boy's trying to be strategic. He's trying to be strategic with this decision, but I do get your point. Um, back to Gary for a second. Uh, here's what I'm hugely impressed with. He's a student of this game. 
to hear him talk about going to Kill Cliff, where he's been putting in the work with Gilbert Burns, then floating around, going to Brazil and just kind of sitting and, and, and learning and listening and being willing to be a globetrotter to round out his game. That's what you would want for a 25-year-old who's putting together one big win after another. You know, the D-Rod head kick now mixed with this dominant assault of Magny. Um, we talked a lot about the intangibles of O'Malley that shone through in the big moments right there. I don't want to put too much on Gary, but it's, I think it's fair to throw him in that lot with Hamza, with Bo Nickel, with Shavkat, which these guys, Rashad, who we don't know yet, we don't fully know yet, but damn, are they showing the type of plus side to their games that that tease title runs could be in their future. Um, do you echo what I'm saying for Gary separating even from his tremendous striking and just saying student of the game, mind for the game, you know, and he's got an edgy personality. Did I like when he's flipping off Magni even after the fight? No, but he seems to be like four steps ahead of people attitude wise, like, like zoned in at an extreme level. It's not just overconfident. This guy seems like if they offered him a title shot tomorrow, I want to say he'd take it. Now, I know he wouldn't because he said he wants to do it slowly. He wants four more fights before the belt. But I feel like he's exuding this aura. It's not going to be long if this aura keeps knocking people the hell out or dominating him for 15 minutes. That call's going to pick up, and it's going to be a title shot on the other end sooner than later, Rashad. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, and especially with the popularity and the ways he's been doing it, is he's definitely going to get a call sooner rather than later. But I love his approach. I love the fact that he's willing to take his time. And that's something you don't hear a lot from these athletes who, who are having these break, breakaway performances. Right when they start having these breakaway performances, they want to be rewarded with a title shot. But I like Gary's approach because you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes it could be what you're lacking in your game, right? And there's nothing that will show you what you're lacking in your game by just competing. So I feel like, yeah, I would love to see him do four fights. But another thing also is the fact that, you know, he's got a stable mate with about four killers in his weight class. You know, <laughs> Kamara Usman, Gilbert Burns, Shafkat, and then Luke. All those guys train with Kill Cliff some form or fashion. All those guys have probably sparred with each other, shared time with each other, shared knowledge with each other, and they share sharing uh sparring partners and the same training with each other so I, I i would think that maybe that maybe also part of his reluctancy to want to jump right in there as a title shot because maybe he wants to see let let the weight class shake out a little bit so that, that way he doesn't have to make these these uh camp changing decisions yeah uh, well from a guy with experience rashad that can i mean it's not just the potential of blowing up friendships it could be blowing up a situation that could benefit you right yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, he didn't get this good by himself, right? I mean, let, let's, let's be honest. Like, you, he, he's had some great training partners. You know, he trains alongside Jason Jackson at Bellator. And Jason Jackson at Bellator, in my opinion, is probably one of the best 170-pounders in the world right sure. now. So um, he's got a lot of benefit being in that stable and, and working alongside those guys. So it, it's, it's a... It's a thing like, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't type of thing. Indeed. And now for the record, if you're because we do tend to score at home almost. I don't want to do I call it street scoring. Basically, we want fighters to always accept every fight offered and never duck somebody <laughs> into constantly, even if they're even if they're lying to put forth a macho attitude. He did. They talked about after the fight where he <laughs> slowed the role of reporters asking about title shots and said, look, you want you you're going to put me in there against Shavkat. We're teammates. 
but I'll be willing to give it a go. So he's not backing down. He's not saying, no, I want to avoid this guy. I'm too close to that guy, whatever. He's willing to do it. And you talk about killers that kill Cliff. I think Robbie Lawler is probably still walking around there at times lingering too. So no shortage yeah. of big time minds uh, to, to milk off of. I want to get a little critical, though, and see if I'm going too far here in, from my keyboard in the basement here, Rashad. I, I could have the same criticism of Brad Tavares against Weidman, but Weidman was landing sort of Hail Mary right hands to kind of check him. I feel like Gary should have finished Magny. And I know he was trying to play with his food a little and try to set up the perfect shot. He almost had it with that right front kick in the final 10 seconds. And I know it kind of goes against the grain to say, oh, you got an opponent in front of you with two bad wheels. Why would you take them down and maybe fight on their level when you can keep chopping at them? When I see a guy barely able to stand, I'm thinking, man, take him down, sit on top of him and get him the hell out of there. Not only did Gary not look to bring this fight to the ground when he finally did in the closing seconds, it was just ineffective on top. After a 15-minute destruction of a talented opponent, should I shut the hell up, or or is it okay to, to be left wanting a little bit more? I wanted to see some ground game from Gary. I didn't want an early knockout, so I'm glad we didn't get it. I wanted to see him over the totality, see weaknesses or wrinkles in his game. He's going to have to be a little bit better on the ground to really get to the, to the high level, right? Or, again, shut up, BC. Look at what O'Malley just did to win the championship. He's not that good on the ground. Where do you sort of sit at in terms of what Gary could have shown? Should he have gotten a stoppage, or am I just being a dick here, Rashad? Well, I think I think you're absolutely right. I feel like he, he definitely should have got a stoppage, but, you know, at, at what cost, though, right? At what cost he was in a position where he, you know, was was really having his way and um, having one of those comfortable performances where you kind of work out some things, you kind of try out some things, and those performances are warranted. But it goes again to, to what he believes about himself is that he's not ready that opportunity yet and when he is ready for this opportunity that opportunity i feel like we'll we will see him finish opponents like magni when he has them hurt and when he has them on the land but this is all part of that that learning curve he's still yet to, to really round out is the fact that you know when he has when he smells blood and blood in the water there's some food in there and he needs to finish and eat it before somebody else comes and get it so it, it's still that learning curve i feel of that 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 young mindset that he's he's still working through. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I I think I don't know. I think he was looking for that perfect shot. I would have liked to see a little bit more dedication there, only because I don't think Magny was throwing showing him a threat of a counterattack. Magny was in full on survival mode at that point. Um, also the closeout on Gary Rashad. He's been a little bit hit or miss this week on the mic. I felt it was a little too much Conor McGregor recycled stuff in his mannerisms and verbiage. Um. You know, I could critique him being a dick to Magny before and after over aggressively. But as Dana would say, rightfully so, it's the fight game if that's what he needs to get in the zone. Uh, would you like to see a little bit more Ian Machado Gary and a little less Conor McGregor on the mic? Or again, am I really splitting hairs? Uh, I, I mean, listen. It's kind of hard, to be honest, because I don't, I don't know at this point how much is Conor McGregor and how much is just him being an Irish guy, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> is that how Irish guys act or what? I, I don't really know enough Irish guys to know if they're a bunch of Conor McGregor's, you know? But I, I, I can understand what you're saying about, hey, you know, come with a different shtick. But, I mean, if it worked once, then it may work twice. 
It may. It may. Uh, indeed. We'll, we'll find out here. There's a, as Dana had said after the fight, there's a blueprint for what O'Malley's trying to do. There's also a blueprint for what Gary is trying to do, both borrowing heavily in some ways from the commercial rise of Conor McGregor and both fighters on this card absolutely delivered in the big moments. We'll see what's next for Machado Gary. I mean, do you have, if it's not Wonder Boy, is there a perfect name in the top 10 that would suffice for you as a perfect next challenge? Is, is it a Michelle Pedeta? What, what, what level of opponent is rightfully next for Gary? I feel like you need to move him up and you need to move him up in, in something that people are going to want to see and something that people are going to be excited about. Um, you know, you, you have, uh, man, Jeff Neal, maybe, maybe, maybe a Sean Brady. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that'll give you that contrast with the ground, you know, that, that, right. that's, yeah. that's, that's Sean a, Brady. you know, Brady accepts big time matchups and big time smoke. There's no question about it. Uh, let's keep it going. Topic number four, Chris Weidman, I gotta give him credit for for just being a dog, man. Two years out of the game, yeah. disastrous leg injury, broken fibula, tibia. Yet, like Anderson Silva, he made his way back to the octagon. Rashad, that seemed to be where the good story ended. Now he wasn't, you know, dominated without hope. He showed incredible heart as both legs routinely got chipped, chopped, chipped apart by Brad Tavares, just chopped down, just brutally. In fact, there was a point early in that second round where. I mean, I'm starting to wonder if Weidman's ever going to walk again. I mean, we almost had a call for an old yeller moment there with respect, Rashad. I know that's a disrespectful statement, but he looked bad. What did Weidman do? Bit down, landed big right hands, and somehow or another went the distance. I've got bittersweet feelings, right? It's like, man, did he show a lot of heart, but man, it was tough to watch at the same time. A forward former champion in there trying to pull back and find something that just wasn't going to be there and and really taking on a ton of damage in the process. Rashad, you've been here before late in your career. And to some degree, you know mentally what, what Chris Weidman has went through. How was it you for you watching a peer that you respect, another former champion, walk this out? Such a difficult task on, on Saturday. It, it was tough, man, because I, I know the competitor that Chris is and I know what you know he was truly hoping for uh, by, by stepping back in to the octagon. I mean, no one goes through what he went through and has to do what he had to do in order to get back into the octagon and, and want a performance that just doesn't live up to those expectations of having your hand raised. So I understand that, but I feel like with that said, it survivor 46 is here. And so is on fire. The only official survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary as we speak rap music on trial now streaming exclusively on paramount plus head to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply growing old as a fighter sucks because it's the craziest thing the craziest thing happens and the craziest thing by that i mean you mentally feel stronger than you've ever felt before in your life like you can see things you couldn't see before. And it's almost as if like 
you've got this download. You're just like, dude, I figured out the fight game. And you, you got feel the cheat like code. You, you right? got it. But physically speaking, you can't match that level. You just yeah. can't. You you don't have it anymore. And you don't really understand that you don't have it anymore because it kind of just left you gradually. And I feel like that's where Chris Weidman is at right now in that in that stage of his career where it is kind of it left him gradually. And at this point, I mean, he he looked like an older fighter out there. Yeah. And um, I don't say that to be a diss. I don't say that to knock him down in his efforts to really go out there and put on one of the a very courageous performance. But at this point, you know, you, you have to ask yourself as a competitor, is is the juice worth the squeeze? Because now you're up against the rest of your life and, and the quality of the rest of your life if you don't make a decision that that's going to leave you uh, with with the ability to to really feel good on a physical level after you get done competing. Indeed. And and I mean, no one's going to question the dog in Weidman. It's the same thing that led him to winning the championship, to beating Anderson Silva twice. It's the same thing that led him to what the victory was in this event, which was getting there. That's a victory. That was yeah. a victory for Chris Weidman. He got back to there, but Rashad, like, you know, you there were, there were a lot of people taking sneaky bets on him as a plus underdog saying, man, what if he could sort of, what if he does feel great for the first time in a long time? What if he's taking Tavares down? Once he proved he could not take Tavares down once, Man, it started to get gross and it got ugly for him. Now, I think Tavares could have and should have finished him. I think at times he was showing mercy. Other times, I think he was surprised that Weidman kind of bit down and found his inner Luke Rockhold against Paulo Costa and just started getting dirty and throwing big shots and landing them. But I think Dana was right afterwards in saying he he kind of pleaded with, with uh, Weidman to step away and let this be it. Uh, if it is a, a great career, and and like I said, this is no small achievement, to have that type of disastrous injury, to have the multiple follow-up surgeries, infections, recoveries, and yeah. not to mention Rashad, the mental journey that I that you know you nailed it. Just the idea of like you're as wise as you ever were, but the body just won't respond. Even though you see the openings, uh, you know I can't. I, I I feel bad in that regard because he's been such a such a great ambassador for this game and a great champion. But um. It was an, even separate from the leg injuries. He was an old man in there on Saturday night. Tavares yeah. survive and advance in a lot of ways. I mean, I don't think Tavares is going to cash this into some big fight, but he did what he had no, to do. You, I guess. But, uh, but honestly, though, honestly, BC, I felt like, uh, like on paper, okay, Wyman can do this because I don't remember seeing Tavares look that good. Right. I mean, Tavares looked really really good physically speaking his muscles look good he felt like the muscles look really filled out like he's like he looked really pumped um his movement looked good his striking was fast his motion was good like he he looked really good and i felt like that was the best Tavares that i i've seen in a long time like i've seen it was the best Tavares i've seen since this younger generation came in to the 185 weight class and, and it and it was one that I felt like maybe, maybe Tavares might be able to to do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he was going against a wide man who hadn't competed in a couple of years, but I felt like Tavares did a lot of things right in that fight. Yeah. I mean, if I don't want to see Weidman again, although look, I've got, I've got gross tastes, Rashad, you know, you, you've heard of my diet at times, you know, but I've tried, I'm turning it around. I'm working on it. Um, Weidman Rockhold too. I'm sorry. There's a deficiency in me. I'd be down for it, Rashad. Short of that, no more. Okay, no more, no more. 
All right. Come on. Tell me you wouldn't you wouldn't hate that. Come on. You wouldn't hate that. Come on. I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't. I think I think they would actually be perfect for each other now because right now, I think their mindsets would I think their mindsets are evenly yoked right now. I think it'd yeah. be a good fight. Well, Weidman's got a big recovery in front of him, as as Dana indicated, probably at least a year. I hope he's able to walk away and enjoy the the afterlife. There is, as Rashad Evans has proved, there is life after fighting. There is. There just is, Rashad. Yeah. There just there is, is, man. It's, it's, all it's one of the scariest things at first for a fighter, but once you start putting one foot in front of the other, you just like, wait, why was I fighting again? <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can get him in touch with a toad. All right, maybe maybe yeah. that's maybe that's what the All American needs. Uh, topic number five, Rashad. The rest of UFC 292. I want to start here because I did not have the time to give it a lot of love on the post show late Saturday, but I'm talking to Rashad Evans. Former Ultimate Fighter champion at heavyweight, no less. Former coach, just the same. Brad Katona got a second chance here as a former tough champion on this redemption McGregor-Chandler season. I don't know if we'll ever see McGregor and Chandler in the cage, but we did see Katona take on fellow veteran Cody Gibson. Um, Was it Griffin Bonner won? No. But Rashad, the feels were there. This was more, not street fight, but you know, barnyard fight. I mean, this was this was like two guys fighting for their future, which is what a tough championship should be. I've got nothing but respect for these two cowboys as they rolled out there and gave the fans what they deserved. I absolutely love the BC. You know, um, it, it really, really put the ultimate fighter right in the place where 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 it should be as far as effort and everything else is concerned. Because, you know, um, we see fighters can fight on the contender series and things like that, but there's just something different about that ultimate fighter fight where these guys are fighting to be the ultimate fighter, to be the one, you know what I'm saying? We all know that the great story about most of these fighters will probably get contracts anyways, but it, it's to just to be the one, you know, and uh, to go out there and see the back and forth action, both of these guys laid out on the line. It is truly what ultimate fighter is about. And these guys definitely lived up to that. Yeah, Katona takes a unanimous decision, 29-28 on two scorecards, 3-0 on the third, but it looked like Gibson nearly had him stopped at the end of the first, and Gibson, anytime it looked like he was getting overwhelmed by punches, he would square up, swivel, and land some bombs. I wanted, look, the 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 second biggest egregious error on this card, the first one, not interviewing Cheeto Vera after the Munoz fight because they had run short on time. And oh, by the way, the main event on the East Coast, Rashad, for us old guys started at what, 1 a.m.? Like, please do better in that regard, UFC. Oh, I was, um, I, was I, I, I had everything trying to stay up. I was falling asleep. It was, it was tough. There's only so much caffeine a 45-year-old man can in, intake. That's just what it is. <laughs> but what I was going to say is we all wanted Cody Gibson to get the contract Stefan Bonner style. We're in a season on the Dana White Contender Series where every winner is getting a contract. Afterwards, at the very least, Dana was pressed about that by media. He said his phone had been lighting up. People saying, you better give Gibson a contract. It looked, it wasn't official, but it looked like he was leaning that way. In your eyes, Cody Gibson, uh, did he earn a spot back in this promotion? 100%. 100%. I feel like, you know, that it sounds you don't want anybody to lose, but you know, these guys went, when it, it was, it was, it was a close fight. Like for me, I honestly, I felt, I felt like it was closer than, than what the judges said. I felt like, I don't know. I, I felt like 
Cody did his thing. Like I, I wouldn't have been upset if if Cody would have won if they would have said Cody won because it, it for me it was kind of close. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Kurt Hollabaugh submitting Austin Hubbard in the lightweight tough finale. So two new champions uh, are, are crowned right there. But Rashad, there were no shortage of other names that jumped off the card. How about, as Aaron Bronstetter calls him, Hobo Cop, Gregory Rodriguez, fresh off of his own sort of heat check, one punch knockout loss, comes in there against Russian Dennis Tulin, Tulin, excuse me. Rashad, he kicked the shit out of him. Uh, minute 43, some elbows to the back of the head that people on Twitter didn't like. I get it. But this is the, this is uh, the RoboCop we know and love, as vicious as ever, but a little bit more calculated. Rashad, how is this man only yeah. 31 years old? I mean, he looks like he's like <laughs> Glover Teixeira, old man neighbor strength. He looks like he's got right there, but impressive just the same. Impressive indeed. And like you said, um, very impressive win. Uh, way to get back to, to being uh, the RoboCop who we used to send. But it's a smarter RoboCop because, you know, I train with RoboCop. RoboCop RoboCop was my training partner. I stole him from Vitor Belfort. <laughs> I stole him from Vitor Belfort, and he was my personal trainer. And what I would do is I would hire him, and he'll go everywhere I would go, and we'll, tra we'll train together. He was like my guy. So um, I know firsthand how tough he is. But I also know uh, from, from training with him and being with him for so long that he fell into a rhythm of fighting that didn't really serve him. He, he fell in love with the striking aspect. Yes, he can strike. Yes, he can hit hard. Yes, he can get knocked out. But what he's best served at is being able to land those big shots and close the space and use that big physique, use that wrestling, and use that grappling to really put his opponents in trouble. Because honestly speaking, I've rolled with a lot of guys, and I, and I would say I got pretty good jujitsu, but RoboCop, like, he puts it on me pretty bad. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, dude, if you can do that to moi, do that to everybody. Yeah. Why are you Why are you playing around, striking and doing this? Stop playing with your gifts and do what you're good at. And I'm glad to see he's doing what he's good at because when he does what he's good at, I'm, I'm telling you, he can be world champion. There's a thing with the dangerous apprentice. I mean, that's what Glover Teixeira was for Chuck Liddell. You remember that boxer, Jesus Cotto, Soto Carras? He was like that for yeah. Chavez Sr. He was sort of that like sparring partner that would take all the tough rounds and hang in there and ended up having a good career on his own. If you're telling me, was he 2013 Vitor's sparring partner or or not back then? Because that was a different animal, Rashad. Nah, he was, he was, uh, it was, uh, what was it? It, it was, um, one of the Vitor's last fights. It was like towards the towards the end of his career. Sure. 20, 2017 Vitor Belfort. Uh still an absolute hammer. I mean, he's gonna always be. You remember? Uh, I love when they. There's a couple old time boxers. You know, in the last fifty years, would be like seventy years years old, walking the streets in New York City, and they'd see some lady get her purse snatched, and they turn around and just you know old man strength and knock some perpetrator out. I I kind of <laughs> imagine that uh, Vitor Pelfort's always going to be uh, ready, willing, and able to deliver. But uh, nice win for RoboCop. We'll see how he evolves. Uh, Rashad, I you know me, I'm a giant women's strawweight fan because of the love of the, the purity of, of the mixed martial arts and nothing else, just so people know. But I've been very open and honest, Rashad. It's 115 isn't the, the, the field spot anymore. 125 in the women's game is where the noise is getting made in terms of new title contenders popping up daily. 
So if you saw the two fights that jerked the curtain on Saturday, uh, wow, that's bad phrasing in this case, at Women's Flyweight, both from Brazil, both named Silva, and both brought in some win streaks that had us starting to take notice. Natalia Silva put on a striking clinic from distance against KGB Lee to continue her win streak. But Karina Silva against Marina Moros, I mean, she, she with one second to go in round one, she gets the submission. But before that, Rashad, there was just an assault of well-rounded dominance coming her way. A big-time athlete, Karini, a finisher uh, standing or on the ground. I feel like we've got two women to take notice of in, in the rankings moving forward at 125 after these performances. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, these women at 125 and, and the two you just mentioned are just, my gosh, they've the, the level has raised, and um, that, that's a crazy and scary thing, right? Because at 125, it, it was very sparse, and, and, and it was, you know, few challenges for uh, Shevchenko as she they tried to make challengers who really weren't challengers, challengers. But now I think there's no shortage of that. I feel like, you know, that set the standard, but now you see this wave of just talent coming in, great strikers, great all-around athletes, and just – smart fighters at that too smart fighters with iq who fights with the composure and poise that allows their tools to be showcased in the best way unbelievable uh they, they both have defeats and they talked about that rightfully so on the broadcast how both coming up in brazil had fought you know household names up to this point i mean karini silva's got a loss to marina morose early on in the game they haven't lost in a while, Rashad, and that experience is really starting to show. And, and I don't mean to clown on anybody, but this ain't Jessica I, this ain't, you know, Chukagian, this ain't, you know, Jennifer Maya, Lauren Murphy anymore. The, 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 the sort of previous era, I know all those fighters are still around and are tough outs for anybody, but the new title challengers, the new wave at 125, all the way down to, you know, Macy Barber, Miranda Maverick, that level of skill. Now you add in these... And the difference is these two Silvas look like finished products. I mean, Rashad, Natalia's in, in just a, a swiveling, striking machine throwing. Does she throw a hip or or midsection faint every half second? How the heck do you get comfortable preparing for that? I know. And it's just unbelievable. Like the, the subtleties and emotion, right? And the fact that she's able to whip that kick out. And she has perfect technique on her kick. The way that she puts those kicks out, look at that kick. I mean, it's absolutely textbook perfect. And um, that's the kind of level at that 125 weight class. And it's going to be hard for Grasso to hold that belt. You know, Grasso is going to have to evolve her skill even more so, which I'm sure she's doing. But, I mean, when you're dealing with the level that you see here with this strike in, you just got to imagine at some point, you know, these women are going to be able to, to get in there. I mean, think of where we are right now. August 21st, 2023, we're a few days out from Aaron Blanchfield against Tyler Santos in Singapore, which is going to be arguably the best fight of the weekend. If you had to put your name, I mean, if you had to, if you were tasked with saying who's going to be the women's flyweight champion in one year, it's like put your hand in the bag and pick out a name. Rashad, is it Grosso? Is Shevchenko going to restart it at UFC Noche? Is it Blanchfield, Santos, Ferro? Rose Nama Yunus, or is it somebody off the menu right now? Like, this is fun, yeah. right? This is good. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. And the thing about it is, is no one truly knows what's going to happen because it is such a, it is such a, uh, you know, pick them. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't know how Shevchenko is going to come back. She seems to be uh, reinvigorated and kind of got herself 
a little bit settled down and steady and kind of, you know, losing a belt eliminates a lot of those feelings that you just kind of need to purge and reset yourself. So who knows how she's going to be after she comes back, uh, after she's reset herself. And like you said, Rose Namajunas, she's been away for a while. The refocus and everything that she has to have had. And, you know, she's been working a lot more with, you know, Pat Barry and everything that they've been, you know, doing together. She's been in Minnesota a lot, I've heard. So there's a lot of things that that's happening at 125 weight class. And there's a lot of a lot of motion going on, a lot of motion. But it'd be it'd be interesting to see if Grasso can truly hang on to the reins of this one before this bull gets away. Yeah. I mean, in one sense, Grasso seemed to like jump out in that fight. I mean, she finished not luck. She finished Valentina, which was insane. Uh, but Valentina is going to have that confidence of knowing that she made a mistake, an un- uncharacteristic mistake that really set that up. So, you know, I mean, same thing for Aljo in that regard, too, in terms of getting back on the comeback trail. But to close here, did Karini Silva or was it just me? A little like young Amanda Nunes vibes. Just a little bit, right? Just a yeah. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, OK, I'm going to be circling the schedule moving forward. You know what I mean? There, There's a yeah. future plus finisher in that regard. Uh, that was the majority of the stories from UFC 292, whatever we missed, we'll probably get and have you seen this shit or DMs from donks or whatever you want to call it. Uh, real quick though, how about a voice from one of our favorite people here? And how about a talk about factor? Yeah. With the busy fall season, just around the corner, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Well, they can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to you. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. I have personally tried a bunch of these, Rashad. You want to talk about gourmet from the box, heated up, don't think twice, you got what you need right there. I'm certainly not a meal-prepping, preparing fighter. I'm just a lazy dad. But these work just the same for me. They refresh my healthy habits without missing a beat. I can choose from 34 plus weekly flavor packed dietitian approved meals ready to eat in two minutes. I can level up with my gourmet plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Listen, MK viewers, life's busy, but you got to do it right or you're going to end up with a black liver. Okay, learn that from experience. So treat yourself to upscale meals with premium and premium ingredients like Leeks, broccoli, uh, asparagus, okay? We got stuff like that. Looking for calorie-conscious options ahead of the busy season? They got that too. Delicious dietitian-approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 500 calories per serving. Why don't you try the Protein Plus option that'll give you 30 grams more protein per serving if you need a boost in that area and round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 plus, including breakfast items. How about those delicious apple cinnamon pancakes? Had them, loved them, didn't hate it. Two snaps in any direction you want. This August, get factor and enjoy eating well without all the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy the fresh flavor packed goodness delivered to your doorstep and you can heat that stuff up in two minutes or less. Yes. Head on over to factormeals.com. That's factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash combat50. You know already it's combat with a K. And use that code combat50 to get 50% off your first order. Tell them BC sent you 50% off at factormeals.com forward slash combat50. 
You're damn right. Rashad, you're a busy man, right? Meal prepping is the way oh, to go. Yeah. Am I, right? Am they I, got vegan I? options. They got vegetarian options. Yeah, they probably got all that shit. Yeah, whatever you need there, Rashad. You know what I'm saying? Like the toad said, stay away from the pork, right? He was right. <laughs> he was right. Okay. Uh, Rashad, we solicited questions from our most valued donks, and we've put them in DM form. Uh, this is where we hear from you. We answer your question. What's on your mind? We call this DM from donks. He freaking haw. <laughs> uh, Rashad, we begin with Hawaii's finest. No, not Max Holloway. I'm talking about Telvin Kipapa. He says, with UFC champions like Stylebender, Sugar, Leon, uh, Volk, and Wei Li, is it a new era for strikers over grapplers? Hmm. Yeah, I, I would say so. I would say so. I mean, I, I, all those champions that you just... Uh, Names have shown great dominance over guys who've been able to wrestle and, uh, you know, can keep the fight where they want to. They can also wrestle, And here's the thing about it. (laughs) They can also wrestle really good, too. Every few years you see that that, that switch. You know, it changes. Sometimes it's the jiu-jitsu guy. Sometimes it's a wrestling-based guy. So it always changes. Yeah, it does indeed. Uh, We've seen a little karate spinoff here and there, some judoka action. But the meat and potatoes has usually always been, you know, are you a – are you a wrestling ground and pounder or are you a jujut specialist? But now you got to do it all. It's good to see some striking on top, but don't miss out that these guys, Volk, I mean, Wei Lee, they can also handle it on the ground. Let's hear from JN. The question is, hey, guys, your thoughts on Dylan Danis's antics ahead of this Logan Paul boxing match. Is it too far or is it sheer brilliance? So I don't know if you've been watching social media here, Rashad, but Dylan has uh. been targeting Logan's girlfriend, like real aggressively like i'm talking about posting a lot of sexual stuff a lot of stuff Uh, with different partners just i mean it's there's no nudity from what i can see rashad but it's aggressive as shit fair game in the world of celebrity crossover youtube boxing or is there a line i feel there's got to be a line man i mean i feel like as a um as a man i feel like there's always boundaries you don't want to cross when it comes to being able to when it comes to competing right you 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 always want to keep it about the competition because at the end of the day when you make it about other things else it doesn't bode well for those who you want to watch it right if if he, if he's acting in a distasteful way the fans are like there's a part of my like, wow it's intriguing but there's another part that's like you know what fuck this dude i don't want to watch him you know what i'm saying like yeah. there, there's that part of him that that, that just kind of turns you off because it just the, the behavior is so repulsive. And I feel like Dennis is, ha, has at that level where he's passed a level of tree and just went straight to the level of disgust. Yeah. I mean, he's going far with these. Um, it's making things interesting. I mean, I don't hate this fight, you know, for as much as I feel like this crossover boxing bubble is fading. Although so are, are they going to, are they actually going to fight Dylan Dennis and, and uh, Logan Paul? So I believe they're scheduled for the same night that KSI is fighting Tommy Fury, but the first betting line that came out when the fight was announced was the odds on Dennis not showing up because of his history of pulling out Rashad, you know? So what? Yeah. I don't, what I don't understand is how, 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 how was Dylan Dennis even in the running to even fight Jake Paul? Because here, here's what, here's the problem. Logan, here's, Logan here's, Paul. Oh, Logan Paul. Here's the, here's a problem though. Logan Paul. 
here's the problem. He he's he's gonna go out there and embarrass the sport again. He's gonna go out there and embarrass the sport. And we we've already, as MMA people, been taking a hit to these Paul brothers, man. And I feel like Dennis <laughs> is not the right guy to, to represent us, okay? <laughs> I mean, he did get dropped by a uh, by a YouTuber in the parking lot outside of one of the uh, fights. In uh, I I don't know. I, I I've got this weird soft. I don't have an aerial level soft spot for Dylan Dennis where he like really entertains it, but I have this soft spot that Dennis is kind of funny at times. He is extremely cringe. He does run. It seems from big opportunities that he's the one getting himself into. But yeah, it's. Like, I mean, it is what it is. I, Rashad, I, I think I really, you, I really don't. I really don't know what Dennis. Like, what did Dennis do besides work with McGregor? Like, what 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 did he accomplish? I know he was pretty decent in jujitsu, but yeah, like, he was world class. How does he make season. his money? Like, how does he how does he feed himself? Like, what does he do? I mean, he got kicked in the face by Habib, and that seemed to be the biggest moment of his life, and he's been riding that for a while. But, yeah, I mean, the injuries have kept him out of MMA, but it doesn't seem like he really wants to fight anymore. He seems to be a full-time troll. It's interesting that Conor, who was feuding with him for a season, is now talking about wanting to train him. So, I don't know, Rashad. There was more of a need a couple years ago for more of these circus events. Boxing is red hot this year. It's almost like we don't need this. We don't need this. You know what I'm saying? Like, we we don't need it. I don't need it. No. I, you know, you know what though? But here, here's the thing that I've been able to um separate from is the fact that this kind of boxing has its own its own bin. It, sure. it has its own box where it belongs. And I feel like it because it has its own box, it's not dirtying up what we've been able to see on the professional boxing side when you're looking at the great matchups that's been able to happen and everything that boxing's been able to do because boxing's been able boxing's been doing stuff that it hasn't done in decades which is kind of you know getting rid of the whole like you know putting one organization over the next because yes. he don't want to fight him they're making matchups happen and that's great to see in boxing so i don't feel like that nonsense overshadows the true boxing i mean we are getting big fight after big fight i mean rashad canelo versus jermel charlo that's like a summer blockbuster any other year. And it's, it's just another big event we got this summer. I mean, it's, it's September 30th, late summer. It's incredible. And now you got Bud Crawford on Joe Rogan saying, yeah, I'll move up to 68 and fight Canelo. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Like, let's be great. This is what we want in this game. But so this, this, this is exactly what, and I'm glad that the boxes are now starting to get it right. Because for the longest time, they, they've kind of went along with the whole, like, you know, trying to keep the perfect record and all this stuff, but they're taking a page out of MMA and realizing what the fans want to see. And that's the thing yeah. that the UFC got right that a lot of people in other organizations didn't. The fact that people want to see good fights. Yeah. People want to see good fights. And guess what? If it's a good fight with great matchup, they don't care who wins no. or who, who loses. You know what I'm saying? They don't care. Like they want to see the fight. And, and the person who loses, cool, you lost that night, but guess what? You still keep your you still keep your respect. You know what I'm saying? People you keep your following. It doesn't mean it's the end of your career. And I'm glad to see that losing a fight in boxing is not is starting to be viewed as not the end of your career. And here's what's crazy. If you want to talk about the five biggest fights that have happened this year in boxing, four of them have been wildly non-competitive. 
I'm talking about yeah. Inoue over Fulton, Spencer and Crawford, uh, Tank Davis over Ryan Garcia, right? Like we yeah. uh, even even Benavidez and Plant, were, you know, ended up being one sided. Yet because the fights were made, it was a big deal. And then you saw breakthrough performances on one side in each of those matchups that people enjoyed seeing brilliance and now want to see this brilliance matched up against this one. And that's when some of these matchups that in the past we thought were fantasy maybe could be reality. Did I think Jermel Charlo, the undisputed champion at 54, was going to move up two weight divisions and fight Canelo? No. Am I happy? Fired up. Uh, Rashad, this question's coming at you. It's from Danger Mouse. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Big, big fan of Danger Mouse in these parts. He says, how does Rashad think the John Jones Stipe Miocic fight will go November New York City. Rashad, I want to hedge that question and say this. I feel like everybody's like pissing on the 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 reputation of Stipe. They're just like, oh yeah, John wins that easily. What? What? I know. I know. Here, here's the thing, man. Um John looked phenomenal in his in his return at, at heavyweight. But the thing about it is the fact that we didn't get to really truly see what, what he was, what, what he's capable of and really what's under the hood. Not, not expecting that it should be anything less than brilliant than we've seen from what he displayed, but there's still that unknown factor, right? And Stipe has been in a lab. Stipe has been in a lab. Stipe has been pissed off. Stipe has been kind of locked himself away to, to really focus on, on the task at hand. So there's a part of me that believes that this is Stipe's swan song. This is something that Stipe is um, is putting his mind in a different place, you know, coming from a different spot, comp- competitively speaking. So I feel like he's going to come in there and, and bring a good fight. Will it be enough to get past the brilliance that we've seen John Jones have in the past? I don't know, but I can say this. If John Jones goes into this fight thinking that he has a fighter who's older, who's compromised, who's uh doesn't have a lot of tread on left on his tires and and just, you know, fodder in front of him, then then it can be a very difficult night for him. It it absolutely can be. And I'm not I'm not trying to make this case that, you know, Stipe is going to come out there and shock the world and win it back. He might do that. I'm just talking about competitive fight between two legends. Yeah, I I think there's potential there. On Madison's in MSG and the biggest pay-per-view of the year. Yeah, this fight matters. There's history at stake and we're fooling ourselves if we know exactly what John Jones over 25 minutes at heavyweight is going to look like. We just don't know. Stipe's only been fighting once a year. I know he's had a couple year break heading into this one. 
But yeah. it kind of reminds me, do you remember when Vladimir Klitschko lost to Tyson Fury, went away for a few years, but then came back against Anthony Joshua and put everything he had back into that one night, got up yeah. off the canvas, like was and you know, ended up getting knocked out in the eleventh round, but delivered one of the classic heavyweight title fights in history. Stipe's game as shit always, Rashad. And I don't think, even though he has been knocked out, that it's like necessarily like has have the miles added up and you know like no this is a fight this is gonna be a real fight so i'm, I'm excited yeah, that and, you see it that way and and at the same time it's it's it's, it's probably going to be both of the last fights right so what would you give in your last 25 minutes ever right because yeah. I, I i john jones has said many times that he's going to retire after this fight he beats stipe and i assume the same thing would be for stipe you know, there's there's not much if you beat a John Jones or lose to a John Jones, then there really isn't much left. So um for twenty-five minutes for the rest of your life, what will you give? And for somebody that's been a champion like Stipe, somebody who's been feeling like he's been disrespected and didn't get the respect that he needs, I'm sure there's a lot that he can give for that twenty-five minutes. Palm sweaty, right? Vomit on his sweater already. <laughs> I'm I mean, you're firing me up here, Rashad, but I don't know. Luke tends to think John's gone, win or lose. I don't know. I think I think we're, I think John taking all that time off. I think we'll we'll still see him. I'm not saying he's going to go out of his way to be like, yeah, where's Sergey Pavlovich? Let's make this happen. But if he beats Stipe and he gets paid right, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Couple more on the way out here of DMs from Donks Rashad. How about from David David? Best MMA fight that never happened. So I think you know the quick. Mm. The quick reaching answers for that, Rashad, Fedor versus Randy, John versus uh Nganu is another one. Is there is it is it one of those two or is there another fight that we probably should have gotten that we didn't that you lament the most as a fan? Nah, you know, that fight, John Jones versus uh versus um uh Francis Nganu. Francis Nganu for me is is one that kind of burns my soul, but also you have the Tony Ferguson and Khabib fight. Yeah, You know, right. the Tony Ferguson and Khabib fight, that fight was matched up like eight times and just didn't happen. And it was it was the right Tony at the right time because that Tony, that, that that was Tony the Tiger right there. You know what I'm saying? So, so that Tony's not that same Tiger anymore. And uh, it happens to us all. We all get old. But at the time, uh, Tony was ferocious and to see them two fight at the time would have been amazing. But here's another fight that that the fans didn't get to see that um, personally for me uh, really sad to me was I never got a chance to fight Shogun. I thought you were going to say Cormier because that was on the oh, table. Yeah, yeah, Cormier. Oh, too. you Cormier and Shogun. Too. Damn. Yeah. 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 That would have been a war. But, but I, I say Shogun because it was for it was for a title. It was for a lot. A lot was on the line for that fight. But uh, yeah. But you know, for me, I, I wanted to fight Shogun. I didn't want to fight DC. DC DC was my boy, so I didn't really want to fight him, but I was going to fight him. Now, so. Rashad, to be fair, between friends here, it's just you and me on the show, he wouldn't have ragdolled you, right? Because did I expect Hell him to no. pick up Dan Hendo and, like, throw him around like he was nothing? He couldn't do that to you, right? Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> DC, DC would deny it, but when DC first started training, right, DC came to my camp when I had to fight Rampage. And he came to my camp um, and we were doing some wrestling and I was wrestling him. He said, okay, get me against Cage. I bet you can't take me down. 
I take him down twice in a row. Yeah. He gets so upset. He gets hot. So the truth of the matter is, no, he wouldn't have been able to rag down me. All right. He wouldn't have been able to rag down me because I probably would have taken his ass down, to be honest. Okay. I like I had that. Kenny Monday. I had Kenny Monday in my corner too at the time. Bro, no way. You got to be careful though. DC's uppercuts in the clinch, those are sneaky. Those, those, those oh yeah, DC DC's all around game is nasty. Yeah, yeah, indeed. One of the, one of the, one of the legends of this game. Even if the WWE did him dirty that time, remember they put him in that referee shirt with the pinstripe. You can't put a you can't put a happy man in pinstripes for shot. All right, you know what I'm talking about. Because right. he barrel because he barrel chested. He, he got yes. that barrel chest. Exactly. No vertical striping, please. Uh, we close with Lazy Bed three thirty. Rashad. Sell BC on the benefits of a vegan lifestyle for his poor fatty liver. All right, BC, listen, a vegan diet is a great way to kind of reset your body. It's not like something you need to stick to all the time, but I would say this. Give yourself at least two to three weeks with eating no meat at all. That'll allow your digestive system to clean out, reduce some inflammation, and roll back some years on that odometer. I mean, a vegan lifestyle is not for everybody. But it's a discipline that will pay off big dividends when it comes to health. All right, I could I could probably benefit from that. One t- one thing I've heard you mention on this show before, I forgot the segment or the or the setup, but you talked about these cleanses. Are they colon cleansings or what are they? Liver cleansings, where you'd basically drink a magical shake and then shit your brains out for the next seventy two hours. Rashad, would that help refresh my liver? Like restart? Like do you think I have? old poop from like 25 years ago like still bothering me and following me around and lingering me one 100 is pasted to your intestines so you need to have something like herataki which is an ayurvedic herb you can get it on amazon and uh when you take it you take it at nighttime you can think of it as a as a janitor right the janitor comes in and cleans the building once everybody leaves and then they put all the garbage out for the garbage to be taken out in the morning that will happen to the same thing for your body. You take Herataki, it cleans out your in, your digestive tract, your whole gut from your esophagus all the way to where it comes out. And it puts 300% more oxygen into your brain because it cleans out your gut, which is a very good, um, which the blood brain barrier, it helps, you know, with, with that connection. And uh, yeah, I think that is something that will help you out. You can take it and it has little tablets you can take or you can take the powder form. All right, Rashad, I'm in on the benefits. I'm in on the process, but I do need a little bit more selling on the process. Like, should I take the weekend off? Will I be, you know, is it unsafe to operate heavy machinery when you could, you know, just just parachute your pants at any point when you can dive bomb your no. dungarees? Or, you know what I mean? Like, no, no, listen, listen, listen. After you take it in the morning, right? You take it in the morning, and when you wake up, you will parachute but not your pants. All right? You're going to parachute a lot. But once you get that out, it's not going to be something that like falls you for the rest of the day. You okay. know, you're not going to have mud butt for the rest of the day. So you can take mud morning and be done. <laughs> Only on morning combat. No, I do think I'm overdue. You, your voice is still lingering in my head that I got some old shit that need, literally that needs to go, Rashad, so I can restart fresh here. Uh, I've been yeah. doing better, but yeah. I mean, cars, listen, the Heritaki also cleans out your blood, too. So it's good. It's like oh, an oil okay. check. 
I mean, really, Rashad, it's the carbs and sugar these days. Now that I've given up ah. uh, pork, beef, and fast food, that are uh, you know, I've just, I've just, I've robbed from Peter to eat Paul. I think eat out, eat, eat <laughs> Paul. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe Mary was involved. I don't know. Uh, Rashad, we close this week with uh, a great segment where I scour the globe for the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in between in the world of combat sports and beyond. This one's called "Have You Seen This Shit." Oh, God. Oh, God. Yep, yep, all right. Thank you, Hirotaki. <laughs> I've seen it. Let's go to <laughs> UFC 292 in Boston. Rashad, this was the moment of the night during Bruce Buffer's loud jacket intro. How about O'Malley and Sterling already ready for it? I love this shit, Rashad. Oh, man, that was an epic moment. And at that moment, I just knew... Something was different about this fight, especially coming out from Mel Malley, man. Both of these guys, they showed great respect for each other, but they showed ultimate focus, ultimate locked in. Those two were the only one in the arena that night from their perspective, and it showed when they went out there and performed. Well, O'Malley would get the stoppage win, and for all the opponents that could be next that we talked about, O'Malley kind of ordered off the menu, and it made a lot of people surprised. Let's listen in, and I want to get your reaction to this. That fight is going to happen. Want a rematch with Chidevera and later this year? Yeah, I thought you know let's shoot a promo, but we'll see. I just he, he just the way he acts, he's so annoying. Just like he's not funny, and he tries to be he's so ugly, he dresses like an idiot. It's like God, do I really have to give this guy an opportunity? But I'm like, well, I'll probably just go out there and whoop his ass, make a lot of money, so I could. Um, so yeah, that that could be it. I also w- wouldn't mind knocking out Javante Davis, and I know people are gonna go, oh, you want to be Connor. I'm telling you, that fight is going to happen. Rashad, is this the time to be doing that? What do you think about this? Stop him. Stop Please. him. Look, 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 look. Stop. Just stop. Just stop, stop, stop. Stop. <laughs> Javante Davis. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. Come on, dude. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it it, it sounds silly. It sounds silly. Here's the thing about it. How about you get set up and you get secure in your role as a new UFC champion before we even start talking along those lines? Because it's all all that talk while you're talking about Javante Davis, when you got Marab, when you got Co, uh, Cody Sanhagen, all these dope guys in your weight class chomping at the bit to smack you up and because they think that you got preferential treatment, they're probably in it. They probably couldn't even finish watching the rest of the card. They probably went to the gym after the card and worked out because of the fact that they were so pissed off. So he needs to worry about what he needs to worry about, which is not, not Javante. Yeah, I mean, it's the same response here, Rashad. Like, I get what he's trying to do, even if it's just to start a conversation of some type of super fight, but there's only one Maymac, right? It, it was the perfect yeah. storm. There's bootleg version. I mean, we're going to get in Ganu fury for better or worse. Maybe it turns out entertaining. I, I really have no idea what to expect with that one, but you're right. Not now. And on top of it, why is the model and MMA still that once you finally reach stardom, even Kamaru, when he was talking about Canelo, I was like, dude, no, is the first move is let me cash myself out. I know you can make 10 times what you made winning the title in one night in boxing, 
But again, at what cost, Rashad? At what cost? You know? Yeah, and and, and to me, um, when you see that, when you see that, you kind of think like, all right, what is this truly about for you? Because look, the money's great, right? And you can make a shit ton of money doing this and being, especially Sean O'Malley with everything that's going to come with the endorsements and everything like that. Huge. But this has to be about a little bit more than the money. This has to be about that same look that he had in his eyes when he's standing and getting ready to fight and he can't take his eyes off his opponents. He's got to have that kind of mindset and that focus when it comes to competing, when it comes to everything about being in this position right now. Because if you take your eyes off of the goal at any given time when you're champion, you are cooked. Yeah, that's that's fair. We've seen it time and again. Uh, let's talk about another champion, Zhang Wei Li. She was she's the strawweight queen. She's been the queen of the cheap pop. I don't I say that with love all week. Shout out Boston. Let's look into Wei Li's English transition here. What's up, Boston? to be here. Let me hear you. Tomorrow, and still. The champion, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Zhang Wei Li. I mean, Rashad, that is, <laughs> is it okay to say she's, she's cute as hell? I mean, that is so endearing to watch that. Serious. That that was cute. That was cute as hell. That was cute as hell. I just wanted to squeeze her, you know? <laughs> I mean, much respect, man. I, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be in another uh, country and having to learn their language and, and really have to do it on that level in front of everybody. Uh, she sounded, she sounded pretty good though. It sounded like, it sounded like uh, every once in a while on TikTok, I, I run into those videos where they have like somebody Chinese trying to speak, teach somebody else in Chinese how to speak without a uh, Chinese accent. And it kind of sounded like, you know, she 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 kind of sounded like she had a pretty good American accent when she said, what's up, Boston? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Uh, she's trying. She's trying hard. And, she, and, and she's, she's almost got that 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 thing that Triple G had. Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, was knocking dudes flat in the ring. But then on the mic, he's like, hey, big gift to people. It's like Borat. You know what I mean? It was like it was like you had to love it. You know, it was it was great. Uh, we talked about flyweight Karine Silva uh, making some noise. Here's the submission win over Marina Moros with one second left in round one. Good for her eighth straight win. Uh, don't want to be labor at Rashad, but it did feel like a, a future star could be born there. It was, it was a nice little moment. No doubt. It really was, man. It really was. That was a uh, that's a mission. It was <laughs> that was a nasty, nasty submission. Nasty submission. Uh, she she she's got it though. She's got it. She she's a talent. She's on point. I mean, I don't think there's any more that I can say besides the fact that how awesome she is. Yeah, no doubt. Big breakthrough moment there. Let's go to the. Uh, this was early on the pre on the prelim card, but Petrosky and Mearshart. They ended up fighting to a split decision at middleweight. Look at the final 20 seconds here, though, of the fight. Uh, this is what we want. This is like Holloway Lamas, you know, round three yeah. all over again, Rashad. Yeah, oh, my gosh. This is what it's all about. This is why you turn into an into mixed martial arts above anything else, because you have guys like this. This is why you watch the, the, the pre-fight shows, because this is the pre-fights, the fights before the main event. 
The, that's the effort you're getting. These guys don't care if they're not on a main card. They're going out there and they're laying out online, and that's what you can count on when you watch and mix martial arts. Beautiful art, beautiful performance. No doubt. Petrosky took the split decision, but they've both made a nice little moment there. And Ian Gary had moments in the cage. How about Friday night? Rashad, have you seen this before? He went off the books, did his own public workout at an Irish pub in Boston. And you know what? He said all week that I'm I'm the star that's stirring this drink. I'm the I'm the A side that's driving this whole pay per view. And I know with O'Malley's success, we can say slow your roll. But not every UFC fighter is doing stuff like this. This this is pretty cool. Well, when you come in the position that he's in and having that fan base that Conor McGregor has already set up and established, I mean, you got to tap into that spigot, right? You got to tap into that, and he does that in a very his own creative way. I mean. You know, that star mentality, you know what I'm saying? Being able to understand what people want to see and being able to go out there and deliver what people want to see and not have it be a burden to yeah. what you got to do for the next day. A lot of times people like, man, are in a position, it's Friday, the day before the fight. They're so in their head about competing. They're so in head about what tomorrow brings that they forget about the journey along the way. One of the things that I had to tell myself as an athlete in the sport having so many fights was enjoy the process that right there is enjoying the process indeed indeed and that's how you organically build the fan base when you do stuff exactly like that uh in case you were wondering rashad chel sonnen is still the man he still got it let's hear him at the q a that he held on stage there for fans ahead of this boston event that you're as tough as nails i'm just wondering would you agree well, that's very sweet of you. You know, maybe at one time, I, I, I think that I would agree with that statement, but I do feel like as, as a fan, as soon as I stopped doing the sport and now I watch these guys, I'll be on the outside thinking, why are these guys fighting one another? Like, they don't have a problem with each other. This guy didn't do anything to him. Like, it's, it's one of these things where it kind of gets a little bit, uh, it's different. Once you retire and you step away, it's, you know what, I'm being humble. Yeah, I'm the man. I'll yeah, beat them all. I'll whip them all. Bring them all. One-on-one, two-on-one, or five-on-one. I'll make them all need nine-one-one. And don't be fooled by these glasses, okay? Or the young man behind you that's got 18 million views for singing the rich men from Richmond. Did you see him right behind you? This is the biggest star in the country right now. He might be up here to sing for us in a moment. You gotta turn around. You don't even know who's behind you. Let's be honest. You're still tough as nails. Tough as nails. Women's pet and the men's regret. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Still got it. Still got it. <laughs> Love it. And Rashad, when he's talking about five-on-one brawls, he's referencing the Luxor. I'm glad he settled that court case, but uh, not surprised that Chael cleaned house there, whether that was warranted or not. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that was, fun. that was funny. It almost, it almost sounded like he was about to take like a – an older cerebral approach to the question. Like, okay, Chael's maturity. He's like, nope, bitch, I'm still him. Still that guy. <laughs> Champion for life, no doubt. Undefeated, Chael Sonnen. Uh, PFL playoffs from New York City, the theater at MSG. In the main event, heavyweight Henin Fajeda, all six foot seven of him, Rashad. He needed less than one round to crochet a KO on the face of Maurice Green. He will move on. I think to the finals, unless there's an extra round that I'm missing here. But uh, were you impressed by his performance? Oh, my gosh. Yes, I was very impressed. That straight right hand, not playing around. Listen, you don't really see a lot of guys, big guys like that, that move so well and got that vision like that. He's very clean. You know what I'm saying? And the way he turned it over with that right hand, 
man, he he's got something. He's got he he's got something, man. He flatlined Maurice Green. And here's the thing about it. I watched Maurice Green, you know, compete in the UFC and and so, you know, he's he's gotten busted up in the UFC, but sometimes it's not it's not the cleanest, you know what I'm saying? The guy, he doesn't make people look the cleanest when 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 they do beat him because he's got that kind of style, but you know, he just felt like a ton of bricks out that right hand. And I don't know if you've seen it before. He does a backflip as his celebration in the cage. I mean, for an athlete that size is insane. In the co-main event, defending champion Larissa Pacheco only needed 20 seconds to finish Olena Kolesnik. Kolesnik missed weight by a lot. But look at these right crosses. That's the third first-round KO that Pacheco now owns over Kolesnik which really tells you PFL needs to upgrade their uh, their women's division so we don't have to keep recycling this. But no Kayla Harrison this year in the bracket, and Pacheco's still dropping bombs. Rashad, one of the better stories in MMA was a UFC washout, and look at the way she's reinvented herself. Man, the way that she threw that right hand over and over again is perfect because she threw it and then reacted to her opponent's movement and then slid in. But each and every, each and every single time, she slid out and slid that right hand in even more. That shows so much comprehension on punching, space, and the time and accuracy. I think it might be a good thing for Kayla that she's not competing in the season because this Pacheco looks a lot better than she did last year. And she's down at 45 as opposed to where the tournament was last year at 55 and just as nasty, just as dominant. Hey, a lot of optimism, Rashad, in the New York Jets fan base over the addition of Aaron Rodgers. But he's got a new handshake that him and Sauce Gardner broke out that I think you and I should make our personal uh, move between one another. Check it out. <laughs> that was Rogers giving L's to his friends, and it feels stupendous. Yes, indeed. Wow, love it, love That's it, Rashad. Dope. That's funny as hell, man. <laughs> uh, speaking of the That's NFL, hide your children, Rashad. Uh, the NFL's back, and that means crowd fights like this involving 49ers fans. Where's the most dangerous place in America? How about the bleachers of an NFL game? Wow. wow. I, don't even, I mean, what are we fighting man. over here, Rashad? What are we fighting over? Somebody threw some beer. Somebody said, they, I don't know. At this yeah. point, it looks just probably fun to get punched in the face right now. These guys are having, oh, my gosh. Look at Jerry Rice get after it in there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They are, look at the, the ladies. Everybody's jumping in, man. Yeah. I'll tell you, look, I don't advocate a street fight, but there's a certain excitement about being in something like that, man. It, but it's just... <laughs> Remember that drunk wow. guy at your hotel room, Rashad, and he wouldn't leave. Yeah. <laughs> There's a certain these guys are going to be talking about that. That I mean, yeah, yeah <laughs> crazy yeah. this. Great story. Uh, let's go back to Daniel Cormier. He was at Top Golf or some form of it here with Poetan Alex Pededa and DC laughing it up. Let's watch Poetan. We know he can do most things well. Let's check out his golf swing. <laughs> <laughs> the extended clip shows DC just clowning him. Uh, that was man, Charles Barkley esque right there. Yeah, he was throwing it like he was chopping wood, man. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's he's too busy chopping wood. See, that's the problem. He's got too much strength, right? He's yes. too strong, so he choked up on that boy and was just hacking it. Rashad, how's your golf game in South Florida? It's got to be active, right? I mean. Not as active as it needs to be or as it could be. Uh, 
I'm terrible, but uh, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> but but I tried, man. I've been trying to clean up. I'm trying to go to Top Golf. I'm going to take some golf lessons. I mean, if you're living in South Florida and you got all these greens around here, you got to do something. You yeah. got to. Yeah, tremendous screens indeed. Uh, sign of the week at Starbucks. Hey, Rashad, shit happens, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it seems like a good reason to shut down, right? <laughs> the parachute. He must have some. He must have some Harataki. <laughs> <laughs> they, they will no longer be selling the Harataki latte after this shot. It was uh, too quick of a turnaround. How angry is that janitor that he's like, "F it, I'm just putting it on the sign." Exactly what happened right there. Uh, talk about that person had no problem dropping toe right there in the middle of Starbucks. But talk about this bathroom for performance anxiety. I don't think I could do it, Rashad. You done with this? I mean, you know, I mean, you're talking about an audience. No, you know? whoa, whoa, whoa. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No yes, way. Yes, whoa. yes. And on the weekend. And look how we... far the toilet paper is. Look how far the toilet paper is from the toilet. Yeah. You're going to have to sit up to get it with, with, with a no. Forget yeah, about it. No Did I ever tell you how gross Luke Thomas is? He stands while he does that, Rashad. I mean, the, with the crowd sitting there, that's going to be awkward. That's going to be awkward. Yeah, that's that's disgusting. <laughs> Very European of him. Uh, speaking of diarrhea, let's go to the beach. I don't know if you ever get the kids together and make a beautiful sandcastle, but why don't you rate the art on this one, Rashad? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Harataki is the theme today. Look at that guy. He's living large right there. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. That is hilarious. Look at the little kid. <laughs> he loves it. Yeah, he loves Too it. Too excited yeah. about that. People are always like, BC, all you do is make poop jokes as an adult. You know, yeah, there's a there's a reason why. T-shirt of the week time. This man loves it, and he's not afraid to share that, Rashad. Would you spot this man in the gym? Oh, my gosh. What does the shirt say? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, not hiding it. Not hiding it oh, at not, all. Not at all, man. I mean, if he wanted uh, wow. That's you know, quite intimidating. Somebody that large coming well, up to you. At some point, you got to respect honesty. And this guy's blatantly honest. You know who else is blatantly honest? A guy I respect a lot. Coach Craig Jones. Not afraid to hide his habits. In fact, he prints T-shirts with them on there. Let's check it out. Yeah. No spears <laughs> indeed. Rashad, this guy's a character. Do you have experience with him? No, I do not, man. I hear a lot of great things about him, though, man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> not hiding, Rashad. Not hiding at all. Right there in plain sight. But uh, wow. great, a great wrestling coach, just the same. Hey, let's go to your regional MMA KO of the week. It comes from Octagon 47. Here's Bexot Alamakin to begin the fight. They touch gloves. A Grabaka Hitman <gasps> special. And oh, there you go. my gosh. Yes. Sorry, sir. We won't wow. be needing you anymore. Yes. High kick breakthrough victory there for Gezcott. Look at the pageantry. That, that had to be what? Poland, Russia, something like that. A lot of pageantry in that uh, arena. That was a crazy head kick. Yeah. Uh, Rashad, new segment alert. Future wife alert or not. Does this attract you or drive you away? Let's 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 zoom in on this lovely lady. I believe in it this time. All right. One, two, three. Oh, oh God. Oh, God. Get him out. Whoa! Oh my god, it was so bad! <laughs> <laughs> what? 
Rashad, that took you back to the dorms at Michigan State, right? Yeah, that, that, that's why he was here right there. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> well done, well done. Yes, 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 no doubt. Let's yeah, go out. She to... has zero possibility of turning into an annoying wife. She's no. not going to turn into an annoying wife. Not whatsoever. Not, Not doing whatsoever. tricks like that. Not whatsoever. No doubt about it. Let's go over to the birthday party. You put a pinata involved with a video camera. You often get magic. Watch out, though, for that stick. Oh, boy. Oh, my yes. gosh. Okay, yeah. Let's t- Did it for the gram, though, Rashad. Did it for the gram. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, my gosh. Her night had to be over after that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's head out to the golf links here. A couple more left. Or maybe it's by the pool. Either way, watch out for the. Uh... Oh, boy. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, a perfectly good Ooh. dive. Yeah. W- nice dismount. And then somebody tees off right at you. That's not cool at all. Okay. But how does how does that even make sense to be doing right? <laughs> I don't understand white people at all, Rashad. But let's keep the <laughs> golf theme going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about this putt? Yeah, <laughs> fully. That's a fully right there. Yes, you gotta dot your eyes and cross your t's. Uh, one more, one more for you in the golf game. As I try not to piss my pants here. Nice putt. Got it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it either, but uh why can't he go to the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> uh we got one more for you here. One more for you. Let's watch it. Oh no. Oh no. Watch out for Bigsies. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. That's why adults and kids should not hang out. Yes. Thank you, Jared from Subway. That kid got lucky. Yeah, there we go. The thundering, uh, towering inferno. That lady passed through like a storm. It's over. That's the shit of the week. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, that's your show for today. Rashad, great to catch back up with you. We can follow you on the social handles below right there. What else do you got? Where's Rashad going to be? You're going to do a, a, a hard 10 minutes at Caroline's or the Comedy Cellar? Where are you going to be moving forward? You know, uh, I'll be doing the uh, the next pay-per-view you'll see in September. So I'll be doing that. But, uh, you know, you'll see me around at ESPN booth. Are you going to Australia for that? No, they got one in uh, September. Uh, oh, Noche in, in Las Vegas, correct? Grasso, yeah. Oh, yes, we'll be checking you out there on ESPN+. Yeah. Plus. Uh, thank you for tuning in. The great Luke Thomas will be back from vacation on Wednesday to recap all his hot takes we got big news coming on the merch front but until then you can wear our fine established clothing and products at morningcombat.store there you go right there showtime the label that pays 30 days free right now showtime.com i mean can we get rashad in a shirt please in a bomber jet rashad did they ever outfit you We've got a bad. I, I got one. I got one MK shirt. I got one MK okay. shirt, and, and I wear it all the time. Sometimes my wife try to cut the grass in it. I don't even know why she tries to cut the grass, but <laughs> he does it in MK shirt. 
We need to get you in a bomber jacket. I mean, I love it, Rashad, when the fighters show up in real life wearing our shit. All right. We've got, we had Rafian Stotts wearing it, Dan Hardy's wife wearing bomber jackets. I love to see it. We'll get you outfitted just the same. Uh, thank you for tuning in, folks. We'll be back on Wednesday. Enjoy your week. Always started off with a bang for the Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans, our great crew and staff here at Morning Combat. My boy, your boy BC, my boy too. Yeah, you got to love yourself with two words for you, Rashad. You remember what those are? Oh, yeah. We out. This is Sandra Oreda from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golasso Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winter transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third.